and welcome to Is This Good? The show where we boldly, conclusively, and scientifically decide what things in this big wide world are good. I'm Matt Austin, and with me, as always, is production powerhouse JD. Hello. And, hello JD, the co-host of Air Jordan, LA's best food podcast. He's a real estate agent to the stars. He's the chef of a private dinner club. He taught Sebastian Maniscalco everything he knows about eggs. But real heads gnome from VH1's The Fabulous Life presents really rich real estate. He's LA's most honest, and some say only food critic. It's Max Shapiro. Max, welcome to Is This Good? Thanks so much. The, the real heads know from the real VH1's really rich real estate. Okay. What are we talking? That's uh, one season? That was one season, yeah. Not really. Five or six episodes. Okay. Uh, available anywhere if people want to stream? I'm not quite sure. This was in like 2005 or six. Okay. Well, uh, JD and I love restaurants. I'm going to speak for him, but we're merely enthusiasts, not experts. And we're excited to have you on to help us demystify the food world, the restaurant world a bit, because you're, you're more than an enthusiast. You're an expert. But before we get to your credentials, a bit of housekeeping. If you have topics for a future show, email us at isthisgoodpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at isthisgoodpod and subscribe on YouTube and review us on your favorite podcasting apps. It helps people find us. So Max, back to you. I found a video online of you from, I believe 2003, on a CNBC show <laughs> called The Big Idea. The, yeah. title, the title of the segment is Millionaire Real Estate Whiz Kid. You're, are you 23 in this video? Yeah, yeah, I'm 23 years old. Okay. so. You're on and you're giving a bit of your backstory. You talk about how you were playing basketball in college, but you got an injury. You decide to leave college. You become Tom Arnold's personal assistant. Yeah. Uh, you become a real estate agent because real estate's in your blood. Your dad's in the business. You sell houses to, according to this segment, Lindsay Lohan and Frankie Muniz. Uh, were they happy with their homes? Yeah. I mean, I, I was best friends with Frankie at that point, And Lindsay was a repeat client and, yeah, they were all happy with uh, the choices they made. Okay, very good. But one thing you don't talk about in that segment is food. So how do you go from there, 23, uh, real estate agent to the stars, to food expert, to chef of your own private dining club, to taking it upon yourself to review the restaurants of Los Angeles and uh, around the world? So take us through that journey. That's a pretty long journey that I'll try to truncate. But uh, when I was 10 years old, I started to get very interested in the inner workings of food uh, because my family knew really nothing about food. So I was super um, into learning. And from the age of 10, I started to experiment with things. And my father called me the saucier. And just making a lot of sauces, really. Um, and then when I became old enough to take myself out to dinner, uh, I would do that. I would ask chefs questions. And from there, it just grew. And I, I wanted to learn every aspect of, of food and beverage. And I would, for years, I would cook for people at home and do, you know, 10 plus course tasting menus. And, and someone just said, you should do this for the general public because you're, you're so anti all the fine dining uh, kind of pretense where when I was younger, I would go to fine dining restaurants and they would kind of not think that I was serious or knew what I was talking about, or I, maybe I couldn't pay, 
So I wanted to put something together where you could get that level of food, but also have fun and be yourself. Um, and then, and then the criticism part of it all is I've basically dedicated 28 years to knowing about food service, beverage, et cetera. And when I see people not doing it correctly, I have things to say. And, and we live in a world where there are no more critics because everything's so sensitive. Uh, and, and we don't have people criticizing. And I'm not saying be nasty, but have some constructive criticism to help people get better. People won't get better unless you tell them they did something wrong. My kids know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Constantly criticizing them. It's important. Exactly. So, yeah, one thing I've definitely noticed in L.A. is you see a lot of people on Instagram, some of them, you know, amateurs, but also people that work for professional publications like the LA Times. And what I find they're really good at is telling you what's available out there. They're posting pictures of like this, you know, this place is popping up here or this uh, restaurant's menu is changing this week for this reason, or this place is, you know, has a new chef, but they're never telling you if it's worth your time, if it's worth your money. Um, Do you think it's merely a factor of people being, you know, thinking it's mean to criticize? I mean, because restaurant criticism was certainly a staple of dining from you know i'm i'm born in 81 so from the time that i could read a newspaper on there were certainly restaurant critics but it seems to have fallen out of favor yeah you can't really you can't really give much of an opinion anymore because you're going to hurt someone's feelings and then you're going to get canceled um but i think those people that are always suggesting things they they either have expensive accounts or their meal is comped and they they feel like they have to say something nice so they're doing their job and they're doing what they need to do to make them themselves look good. But that hurts the customer that is then spending their own money on an experience that you're saying is good because you were either paid or comped or told to do this. Right. Well, what would you say to people that say restaurant criticism isn't important because taste is subjective. So if you tell me what you thought of a restaurant, then that only tells me about you, not about the restaurant. Yeah. I mean, I guess taste is subjective, but when you eat everything, do everything, study everything, you have more of an understanding of what goes into the food and what things should taste like. So you can say this is done properly. If someone likes it or dislikes it, that's on them. What I do is I kind of go in and say, like, this was not done properly for what it is. And talking about people being upset when you criticize a restaurant, um, has that have you gotten more pushback during the pandemic when there certainly seems to be an idea that, hey, restaurants are going through a tough time. Let's support them rather than rather than criticize. Yeah, I've, I've absolutely gotten pushback. And, and during the, the, you know, the the eye of the storm of the pandemic, I wasn't doing any of this. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, yeah, it's a tough time, but it's not like I'm not paying for this. And it's not like you're not getting paid for this. So if you're getting money, do a good job. If I'm selling a house and I'm like, oh, it's the pandemic. That's why I'm not doing such a good job. It doesn't matter. It's still a huge purchase in someone's life. And it's still a a major transaction. Obviously, dinner is not like buying a house, but it's, there's still a transaction there. Well, with that out of the way, let's start criticizing then. <laughs> yeah, sure. Great. Yeah. <laughs> now that the uh, credentials and the table stakes are out of the way, um, 
the premise of the show, Max, is very simple. I'm going to give you a topic, and you tell me if it's good. We'll see where we agree, where we disagree. Um, are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay, first topic. Not seating your party until everyone is present. Is this good? So, as an example, you've reserved a table for 6 at 7 p.m. It's 6.55. Five people are there. One person's running 10 minutes late because they're trying to find... VH1's Fabulous Life presents Really Rich Real Estate on their favorite <laughs> streaming service. And the host says, I'm sorry, you have to wait till the full party is present. I know five of you are here. You're looking. You see the table. It's right there. It's open. No one's sitting yeah. at it. But either you're waiting in some sort of antechamber or they tell you to go to the bar. So not seating your party until everyone is present. Is this good? Yeah. I mean, if, if someone's searching for VH1's uh, Really Rich Real Estate, they might be quite late. But uh, <laughs> it's not good. It is not good. Five okay. of the six people there, seat them. They'll order drinks waiting for the other person. You'll probably get an extra sale uh, in drinks-wise out of the group uh, because you sat them. It's it's not good. No, the, it, the reservation's there. They're, the table's still theirs. Just seat them. Let, them. let them get started. So what would be the reason why the restaurant does not want you to sit? <laughs> Just it, maybe it's like uh, – just in case people don't show up and you need to go to a different table, like maybe six and you became four, you go to a smaller table. Um, and it could help with, I don't know, the timing uh, of people at tables. They time how long you're at a table. When you sit, when they seat your whole party, they kind of start a timer in the reservation app. So that could be it. But, but honestly, it's not good. Okay, so has this happened to you? All the time. Okay, and is there any kind? I mean, I guess there's no pushback. It's they just say this. There's is no the pushback. No, right. You just, so you, you just deal with it. You just deal with it. So, do you think that there should be some kind of baseline, like if it's five of six or six of eight or seven of eight? Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're four people and two of the four are there, I guess maybe we wait till the other two arrive or a third arrives. But if five of the six are there, just just give them the table. Right, because what I don't understand is I take your point about if you're two out of six and then you know only four show up, maybe they're going to want to move you to a four top. But if you're five yeah. already there and one person calls and says, uh, my kid's puking, I can't come, yeah, they're going to sit you at the same table anyways. Exactly. It's it, it, If it's a four top and only two are there, but the two don't show up, you go to a two top. But if the third shows up, you're still sitting in a four top, seat them. Same with the five out of six. Right. And, and they sort of act like, oh, well, you can hang out at the bar as if that's like, um, you know, a good thing when like you might be going to a bar where there's people already sitting at the bar where they're being served at the bar. So now you're doing that awkward thing yeah. where you're trying to order over them, take your drinks in between them. Then finally, the other person comes. Now you got to sell your bill if the bartender's busy. <laughs> now you're waiting longer. So from a hospitality yeah. perspective, I just find it to be a real bummer of a way to start a meal when you're just either milling around the entrance or milling around a bar where you're not seated and the bar is busy. I agree. I don't want to hover over people. Okay. So we figured it out. Do you think that it yeah. has something to do with um, a, a trend I've noticed more and more is when you sit down, the server will say, you, you'll sort of be like, oh, you know, like um, we just sat down, but you know, you want this dish to start. You'll throw it in. They'll say, actually, chef prefers we take the whole order at once. Do you think that could have something to do with it? 
Like they don't want you to start? No. Uh, no, because if someone shows up, the table's still going to be, I mean, sorry, the food's still going to be on the table and they have to deal with it. I, I don't think it's that. I just weird restaurant rules that don't really have a reason. Okay. So I think, this well, is okay. A- let me push back a little okay. bit here. Yeah. Let me push back slightly. How about be on time for your reservation entire party? Like get here with that. I mean, you know, you're going out for dinner and you know, it's a nice restaurant. It's nice enough to make a reservation show up on time. And yes, of course, there's sometimes people are, are late, but you know, you can show up. I mean, I'm saying I'm falling on. This is bad. I, it is bad. It's not good holding a table, but come on. People got to get there on time. Have some respect for the establishment. I, I agree. Yeah, but J.D., this is L.A. No one's ever been on time for anything here. It's like, <laughs> no, no, I'm 10 minutes early everywhere. 10 minutes early everywhere. Well, That's right, Max. Thank you. So am I, Max. But if there's two other people, we ain't, we ain't sitting down. Um, <laughs> no. So um, before the show, I poll people on Twitter to see where – take the pulse of the people, see where they're at on these topics. So what would you guess here? 83% of people say not seating your party till everyone is present is – not good. You're right. 83% of people hate this. Hey. So yeah. it's, just, it's just interesting when, um, for a hospitality business, when people dislike something so much, and it's the start of your meal, which is, you know, how you start things is incredibly important. It's interesting that this has become such a hard and fast rule. And I find it to be becoming more and more militant yeah. as the years go on. Like, I'd, I'd never saw this before. You know what's really awkward, Max? Maybe you've had this experience. When you're going on a date, especially if it's an early date, uh, early in the relationship, and you're two people, you get there. All I want to do is sit down and order a drink, start getting relaxed, you know, be comfortable with my surroundings. And instead, I'm just pacing back and forth awkwardly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that happens all the time. (laughs) Do you think it's it's aesthetics sometimes? Like they don't like to see one one seat empty from a table, and that's why they no. Because like if, if if you're basing that on, let's say you're three people only, and you're at a at a four top, right? You're still there's still going to be an empty seat because you're only three people. So I don't think it's it's necessarily that. Yeah. All right. I've requested like a four top. It's just me and my wife, like at a window, and they say no, no, no. That's you can't sit there. And I always suspect it's because I'm too ugly. Like they don't like, they don't want me sitting in the window. You know what I mean? Okay. Oh God. That's that's definitely well, Max. You don't have to make a judgment on his appearance, but uh, <laughs> but he is too ugly. But um, yeah, that's true. But but you know what? So am I. And that that is absolutely a thing, by the way, yeah. in restaurants. Seating parties based on where, you know, how they want the aesthetics of the restaurant right. to look. Yeah. I mean, am I, am I? Is that true, Max? I I am unaware of this, but. Okay, you don't say anything. They, they, like, they sit Max anywhere, man. Oh, Look at the guy. He's, he's a oh, yeah. handsome devil. Wow. <laughs> All right, so that one is not good. Next question. Uh, this was emailed in by Jake R. and Suzanne S. So two people wanted to know this. Asking a server what they recommend. Is this good, Max? For me, oftentimes, no. Because, I mean, I, I've been with people where they ask a server, uh, well, wh- what do you like? And then they, they rifle off you know, a few dishes and then you go, well, what about this? Oh, well, I don't like bitterness. And you're like, well, what about this? Well, I'm, I don't eat meat. So 
Yeah. Right. You know, you don't know what this other person's dietary restrictions and preferences are. So now you're trusting in them to guide your meal. <laughs> well, what, what about just the idea that they've been working there for a period of time? They've seen what people order. They've seen what people finish, maybe what people send back, what people are excited about. So they can at least give you an idea of if it's your first time there, what are the sort of bangers on the menu? I don't know. For me, I guess they'll be like, oh, well, this and this is the, these are the most uh, ordered dishes. But then people are sheep and you want to trust sheep? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Like, for example, I went to the, the Dunsmore not long ago and uh -huh. I asked what, you know, what they recommend because it's my first time there. And they recommended this cornbread that I guess is a specialty of theirs, which I would have never ordered because cornbread's not my favorite thing. And it, it's, it's almost sweet. In, in the middle of a, you know, a savory dinner, it but is. I ordered it because they told me to, and it, it was great, and I would never have. Okay, well, that, well, that's a scenario where it works, just because, I mean, Brian is famous for his cornbread from everywhere he's he's been, and so that is a must-order. Some people uh, in the comments seem to be concerned that they don't ask the waiter uh, what they recommend because they think the waiter is worried about the, the uh, bill total, and they're going to steer them. Oh, Yeah something more the upsell the upsell is this do you think this ha actually happens or is this that happens yeah it depends on what restaurant you're at but that definitely happens what about just uh just generally saying i don't know what what are the best sell what, how do you like you read something on a menu that's you might think it sounds good but that's no indication of how good it's gonna be. like you could read the log line of a movie that doesn't tell you anything about how good the movie is going to be so how do you how no. do you get suss out what to order if you're not getting any uh, feedback knowledge of of menus and the way things are described um that's kind of how i operate um so talking about servers how do you then feel setting aside the recommendations question when you get the have you dined with us before and then you know you're going to get hit with the uh we do things a little differently around here yeah you do things a little different here like every other restaurant in this entire city I am an adult. I've eaten before. <laughs> I know how to order food. Thank you so much. My problem is when you say, yes, you've been to the restaurant, they still go, well, to refresh your memory. <laughs> or if, if you're if four people at a table and three say you've been here, and then the one person's like, this is my first time. Here we go. Here we go. It's on. <laughs> it's on. Let's, let's, let's rehearse our lines. They're going to tell you that the, the small plates start at the top. Uh, right. Then they go the; <laughs> those are shareable. Then they go down. They get larger, more larger style entrees as the menu goes to, towards the bottom. And chef's going to recommend what would you say, two to three dishes per person? <laughs> That's I mean, right. So I think I think we can we can end that immediately. It's it takes up like in my mind it's it's like forty eight minutes long in the beginning of a meal. But we can stop that. What about the description of specials, things that aren't on the menu? I love the description of specials. My problem is 90% of places don't end that with how much it costs. Ah, uh, the, the, the dreaded MP. Not even MP, they're just, they tell you and then they don't finish it with how much it is. Everything else on the menu has a price. Tell me how much it is. And do you think that's on purpose? Oh yeah. Okay, so I have a question about specials. <laughs> what's first of all just what's going on with them does it start because the chef has a true inspiration for something that's not on his menu or does it start with oh we got a lot of this in this week we better figure out how to get rid of it 
Yeah, it could, they might have a produce purveyor or some or something like that 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 gives them something new, and they're like, "All right, well, we got to put something on the uh, on the menu." And it also it also adds like a little something extra. You're like, "Oh, well, off menu tonight we have this." You know, horses in LA has a pasta off menu that's permanently off menu called the Herman, and it's kind of like a in the know thing. But yeah, usually it's they get a product in that. Um, that they need to utilize. But so that, that pasta that you're talking about at horses though is off menu versus a special, right? Because they don't tell you about the Herman at the start when they are talking about the menu. No, they don't. No. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it is an excellent dish. So talking about waiters, what should you say to a waiter if they come over and say, uh, I trust everything is amazing and something is not amazing. Do you tell them? Depends. I usually say nothing. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to cause a, a scene or it's not even really a scene. I don't really want to cause a problem, but, it, but if, if the coursing or something's just like abhorrent, I, ha- I have to speak up. Like I was at mother wolf, um, a restaurant that I, I don't enjoy for a multitude of reasons. And, and I had them course things out and, and they brought the mains and we're eating, we're halfway through the mains, then a pasta drops. And I go, oh, uh, yeah, I don't know why this is coming now. And the guy goes, you didn't want it like that? And I go, no, no. Um, primi, which is the pasta, then secondi, which are the mains. Uh, and so I looked at the pasta and I was like, do you guys have a plate wipe at the pass? Because there's sauce all over the rim. And then uh, I took a bite. And I was like, it's overcooked and undersauced. You send it back. So they, they pissed me off. And then the pasta was done poorly. And so that, that's when I had to speak up. <laughs> I mean, I admire confidence, which, which comes from actually knowing about these things. I sometimes don't have maybe necessarily the language to explain why I don't like something. But you go to Mother Wolf, where, you know, it's this uh, chef Evan Funky, who is, you know, claims to, to cook the only good pasta in America. And... So you're, you're going with this person that's dedicated their whole life, traveled to Italy, to making this food. So to then walk in as sort of just a, a mere enthusiast and say, like, huh, I don't know, this, I don't like this, or this doesn't seem good. Um, I, don't, I certainly don't have the confidence to do that. And I would say most people don't. So you just end up um, on this sort of feedback loop at a restaurant where they're like, uh, how was everything? I was like, oh, yeah, it was great. And then they go back like, hey, we killed it again. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's also, I add to that problem as well. I mean, most of the time I do say, everything's great, thanks so much, even when something's not great. But the, but the reason the pasta's off or the reason something, you know, yeah, sure, if Evan's making you a pasta one-on-one, it's going to be great. But when he's serving 400 people at once pasta, there's a lack of control and consistency, and that's why maybe your pasta isn't so good. Right, and something you me- mentioned about the dishes dropping at the wrong time. When I was mentioning before how it seems like they're, very uh, into taking your whole order at the same time. They will also tell you um, food comes out as chef recommends or, you know what I mean? Like the chef will course this out. And then if you sort of say, oh, well, could we get this first? They're like, no, the chef will decide when these come out, which I understand for them is way easier because really what I assume is happening is, well, when it's ready, it'll come out, not in some high-minded coursing. For instance, yeah, I've had 
a salad come out after like a hot appetizer, which seems odd to me, right? Yeah. Uh, I struggle with that too, because if I'm having a wine dinner and we're pairing certain wines to certain dishes and something comes out that we're not ready for and we don't have the wine poured, I like to tell people this, I want this and this, then you clear it, then I want this and this, then it's cleared, then I want this. And that's, I mean, just, that's an expediter thing. The person, the the server tells the expediter, all right, fire these two, and then they fire it. And then you don't have to worry about things being ready when they're ready. The server tells the expo when they should fire a dish. So is that is that something that you can push back on when they say, we'll bring yes. it out? Okay. Okay, they, whenever I've asked a question about it, they, they seem to firmly and graciously decline my request. <laughs> maybe um, you need to do it with more confidence. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's what we're, maybe that's what we're learning here. Uh, JD, before we get to what the people say about asking service recommendations, any thoughts on this? you think it's good or not good? I, I never do it. Uh, I worked in very shitty restaurants for 10 years. Uh, people ask me all the time, and I'm like, you know, look around, just order a burger. It's a frozen burger. What do you, you know, why are you asking me, man? <laughs> it's like, what does chef recommend at the Hard Rock Cafe? Uh, <laughs> it's a cheeseburger yeah. with American cheese, man. You're going to love it. Uh, I, so I never do it. I also never trust the servers to tell. I, it's either whatever the chef is trying to, to unload or um, I, I, as a as a patron, I, I, I think it's not good. It's a waste of time. Just order what you want. I, I do I, – I appreciate sometimes unsolicited advice, you know. Drop the menus and they say, oh, try the cornbread. It's our specialty and walk away. That that I don't mind. But uh, I don't need – I know, Matt, sometimes you like to be guided through the experience. And I'm <laughs> just like, just, just uh, you know, give me a Guinness and a beer and, and a burger and I'll be fine. I do like to do it. It can be awkward when you ask the the server, "Hey, what would you recommend?" Then they recommend you three things, and then you're like, e- "I don't want." <laughs> That's right. That's right. You order not one of them. Yeah. And you order, and you order not one of them. Uh, so, Max, seventy two percent of people say asking servers for recommendations is. They probably say it's good. They do say it's good. Um, next topic. Okay, I'm excited about this one. Declining all substitutions. Is this good? So the restaurant, the menu is as is. No modifications will be considered. Is this good? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So coming from a cooking perspective, I'm going to say, yes, it is good. From a hospitality perspective, not so much. But I know what goes into dishes and prep work. And if someone rolls in and they go, can I not have this on it? Maybe it already exists in the sauce. Maybe it already exists in this or that, that in order for them to get the food out to you in a timely manner, it has to be that way. So, and, and also the composition of a dish, let's say someone goes, I can't have anything acidic, but the dish needs acid to balance it out. Then it's, it's, it's an incomplete dish. Yeah. Order another dish. Yeah. 
So I, I completely agree with you. Um, if I'm going to the Cheesecake Factory or, you know, a fast casual place, then sure, substitute all you want because it's yeah. a chain. It's not this is not a the chef's creation that he's excited to, right. to show to you in a quote unquote real restaurant. I agree. No substitutions. Um, but sometimes I do. It's so it seems you know, like, let's say someone comes in and they're one of those people for whom cilantro tastes like soap. I'm not one of those people, but it seems like they, they walk among us. So <laughs> if, if a dish comes with cilantro, that is something that's a garnish they're putting on the top, usually, if it, unless it's in a sauce, as you were saying, or right. a sauce, something yeah. like that. Um, so from a hospitality perspective, do you, would, you know, what do you think about when the chef says, no, we're not changing it? If it's a garnish, I guess you could remove it, but also... Maybe to the chef, the cilantro is an integral part of the dish. So order something else. Yeah, right. So you, so you are from the school of you wouldn't tell Picasso how to paint. <laughs> Definitely not. No. <laughs> um, I. So how would you? How do you think of the balance between the restaurant as a center of hospitality versus the restaurant as the center of, uh, you know, chef-driven inspiration? Is there, do you think, yeah. there, should there be a balance or? Yes. The customer is not always right. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. There needs to be a balance though. But, but I do, I really do believe that if, if you're, you're taking things away from a dish, you might end up not liking it because it's missing a very key factor to it. So I, I like the no substitutions. Some of my favorite restaurants do that. And they stick by it, and people seem to still enjoy the places. I, I'm with you on this one. What's your favorite way that a, a written in tiny letters at the bottom of the menu that they say, "Are you a no substitutions guy? Are you a substitutions politely declined? Are you all substitutions will be politely but firmly declined?" <laughs> what's your What's your favorite way to go? All substitutions are politely declined. You got to be respectful. Yeah. Something I saw on a menu recently that made me laugh. Substitutions entertained within reason. Okay. Oh, well, so that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, that does that does seem like uh does seem like a nicer um way to say it. So, uh Hey, let me let me throw a a quick scenario at you. This hey. is a real life thing that happened 2 weekends ago. This is at a pub. It's our local pub. We go all the time. It's me and my wife sitting at the bar. She orders fish tacos, right? On the menu, they're breaded. It's breaded fish on the taco. And also on the menu is another dish that we always get. It's the same breading, but it's breaded cauliflower. We are very refined, Max. Just, uh, <laughs> just no, FYI. I'm, I'm picking it up. <laughs> So she wanted to substitute the fish with the cauliflower, the same cauliflower that we know is on the menu. And then mm. they had they had just recently changed their menu and they had the cauliflower literally a month ago. So we still we know this breaded cauliflower in the house and she wanted cauliflower instead of fish. And the bartender said, we're not doing substitutions tonight because they're too busy. We're like, OK. And I and I'm like. Uh, here we go, because Rachel's not going to let it go, <laughs> and she's going to dig in, and it doesn't make any sense, because we know there's cauliflower there. There's a woman sitting next to us eating breaded cauliflower. Anyways, who's Okay, wrong? if you who's see someone here? doing it, I mean, 
if you see the breaded cauliflower next to you, yeah. it's an easy swap out. Instead totally. of putting the fish, you put the cauliflower. I think that's easy. I think they should accommodate that. I agree, but I didn't want to cause a scene. They ended up doing it, but oh. there was a kind of a scene. Okay, your, <laughs> your wife has the confidence that I need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, and she kept leaning for, more and more forward across the bar. Really? No, really? That kind of thing. So I was like holding her back. Come on, baby. We come here a lot. I don't want to not come here anymore. Hey, you're you're a regular. They should exactly. they should accommodate. They should I know. accommodate. So 70% of people say forbidding substitutions is probably they say not good. They do say not good. Wow. Yeah. These heathens, Max, these these heathens. Uh, <laughs> next question comes from Carrie Q, who asks, gesturing at a waiter. She gives some examples. Wave, snap, check please sign. Is this good? And and first let me start by asking. Have you ever seen the snap? Because I've seen the snap. It's oh, certainly, yeah. you see it less and less, but uh, certainly I'm, I'm, I would, you know, amongst an older generation, you still see the snap. A hundred percent. The snap is not good. No, the snap is not the good. The snap is not good. But subtle, you make eye contact first, please. Then you do a little gesture, a little check, a little a wave. But eye contact must be made first. Eye contact must be made And it can't be... Can't be big gesture, little gesture. Okay, so uh, just a head nod, could that work? That's, so a head nod could be you saying what's up. Yeah. Okay. okay. What about a but head like nod eye contact in a lateral head nod, so it's like, you know, like that. <laughs> I, no. What does that mean? I think mean? just some eye contact and like a, you know? Uh, okay, so eye contact. Um, so, so that doesn't bother you. So, um, Let's talk shit about customers for a second, though. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. What's what's the worst behavior that you typically see in a restaurant or things that bother you about customers? That's a hard one. Like things that I see, just people being rude to uh, wait staff, um, dismissing them as if they're not even actually human beings. I see that and it disgusts me. Um, it's a very difficult job. Uh, they don't want to see you either. Trust me. Um, <laughs> but ju to just be so dismissive and rude and, uh, and starting, you know, if, if there's a problem with the food, let them know, but don't be mad at them. They didn't cook it. Yeah. Right. They're the messenger. They're whatever. Um, it's, it's most for me, the behavior is mostly people being rude to wait staff. So sp speaking of that though, when you do review a restaurant though, and you've had, very pleasant service, let's say, but the food wasn't good. So how do, do you try to parse that out? Oh yeah, always. Okay, so people that, as a general rule for people listening, if something's wrong with your meal, it's what, 99% of the time has nothing to do with the server, right? It's not like they, they forgot to pick it up at the pass and it got cold. Yeah, I, well that does happen, but um, but yeah, it usually is not to do with your server and and, it's, it's mostly kitchen issues. Um, okay, so back to complaints about customers. I'd say number one, making a reservation and not canceling it if you're not going. Oh, okay, well that's outside of the restaurant, okay. Okay, outside the restaurant. But I, I honestly blame that for some of the more extreme behavior that restaurants are taking um, because they're kind of like, well, like we're at our wits end by how shitty some of these customers are. We've, le we've left this table open for them and now, we're losing the revenue on it. 
And I think that a lot of this, like waiting for everyone to show up and things like that is, I don't know, I don't know if I can draw a direct line to it, but it feels part and parcel of them trying to rest back control from uh, these customers that aren't showing up. And and they also, a lot of restaurants now charge you if you don't show up. Yeah. They take your credit card on the reservation. And so that's how they protect themselves. If you don't show up, you're getting charged. Um, Okay, now to in the restaurant behavior, this is probably my number one thing that drives me nuts. When uh, you're, let's say, a party of four, you've all agreed, okay, yeah, we're ready to order. The waiter comes over, and then one person in the party's like, um, mm, yeah, so for my starter, and in, I'm getting like redder and redder, more and more uh, embarrassed. So, you got to know what you want. If you've agreed, just know what you want or make a game time decision within, what's the limit, three seconds? <laughs> I don't know. This is post-game plan. You've you've all made a game plan and then someone goes rogue? Yeah. I, someone goes, well, see, now you're talking about a different thing. So I like to eat with a game plan where we're talking like, hey, we're sharing these things. I mean, ideally, yeah. we're, sharing, we're sharing most things. But I, I, I guess I more mean like, okay, we're ready to order. And then the person starts the hemming. Oh, order. that's annoying. Just a server standing there awkwardly waiting for you to figure out what you want while they have other things to do. Nope, not good. No, really. not good. Um, what do you think about waiters who squat at table level? Is that something you enjoy? Every time it happens, I'm like, oh, okay, here we are. <laughs> Very close to my face. Every opportunity to work the glutes. I know a lot yeah, of uh, right? I know I know a lot of women servers who do that to avoid getting their ass grabbed. Oh, that's interesting. Move it further from the table. Yeah. So they'll it's usually and at the at one of the places I worked at, they all the girls had to wear skirts and so they would constantly have like hands going up the skirt so they would they would wow. actually uh, so every time I see that, male or female, I just assume, oh, that's a grabby table. <laughs> Whether really they are something. or they aren't. <laughs> yeah. they were, they were quickly and promptly profiled. Um, <laughs> another, another server thing that I always find hilarious um, is if, if you're sitting on a banquette and then the server will come sit down next to you to take the order. Oh, no, shit. That? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, that's really interesting. That's, you know, it's just, just super friendly. Um, so 58% of people say uh, gesturing at a waiter is? I'm going to say not good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. And actually, to be oh. honest, I didn't know. I didn't want to just put gesturing because I didn't know how people would take that. So I think I put uh, as the question, making the check please sign at a waiter. And yeah, people, people seem to agree. Uh, so, Max, there's a bunch more topics I want to get to. Uh, so it's time for a speed round we call the chaotic good. Now, mm. It's not so speedy. We can go. We can go at a at a medium pace. Uh, Michael S asks, "QR code menus are they good?" No, they're not good. Why not? I like a I like a tactile thing. I like to hold a menu. Let's say someone is older and they need to take their phone light and shine it over the menu. Okay, give them a QR code so they can zoom in on their phone and it's illuminated. But as far as like. When you go to a restaurant, you want to be presented a menu. It's a feeling. It's it's yeah. nostalgia. Your whole life you've been given a menu. I don't want to look at the menu on my phone. I do that before I go to the restaurant to maybe try and game plan. But when you're there, you you want 
a tactile thing. Yeah. Plus, yeah. you don't want people on their phones at the table. You want to be put your goddamn phones away, people, you know, like and you're encouraging them to all look at their phones. It's aesthetically alone. It's garbage having four yeah, people. Look aesthetically, at it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, as you were saying, someone older that wants the menu on their phone to so they could see it brighter or, or pinch in, that person is probably not going to know how to use a QR code. So that is... <laughs> yeah, that's fair point. That is often... Fair, um, fair. So these things started during the pandemic um, when people didn't want to be touching menus. And I feel like restaurants have carried this over because obviously it's cheaper for them in that they don't have to print the Much. menus or, or replace them. I guess it's probably easier if they want to change something, they just change you know, the digital version. But do you think they're here to stay now? Because it seems like places have carried them over. I hope not. I hope not. Don't want it. Okay, not good. Next question, leaving the table as soon as your meal's done. So this is the pressure some people feel that, um, hey, the, the tables, you know, we finished eating, we've paid, you know, we've paid the bill or we're about to pay the bill. And someone, we've, we feel like someone's probably waiting for the table. It's a busy restaurant. Do you feel like you need to leave right away? If you've paid the bill and it's not at the end of the night where you know no one else is coming in, I get be mindful of that. Let's be a little mindful and, and not chill there for 30 minutes, you know, maybe five, 10 minutes, and then you, you take it outside, say your goodbyes. Totally agree with you on that. I do feel though that there that in restaurants now, because they're so busy you do feel you're being rushed out of the place. Like I'm saying within an hour, within an hour 10 of when you sit down, they've brought everything so quickly. Uh, and, I, and I'm not talking, and I'm talking about you've ordered appetizers, you've ordered mains, you've yeah. ordered drinks that you're out of there in like 70 minutes. And that just, that seems unpleasant to me. It is unpleasant. I, I do not eat that slowly. I like to marinate and luxuriate. Uh, and if someone does that to me, uh, it's probably a restaurant I don't go back to because I, I like to enjoy my dinner. It's, it's, it's my escape from life for a certain amount of time. Okay. We want our food marinated and we want to marinate ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Uh, variable. Luxuriate. Such yes, a great word. Great. I, love yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, variable pricing at restaurants. So this is something I've, I've heard talked about. I heard David Chang talk about it. So this is basically like, you know, how, when you order an Uber, if no one is taking Ubers, the price is low. If there's a surge and everyone's trying to get one, the price is higher. So a classic supply and demand. Typically, obviously, restaurants have been the same price no matter what time of the night you go. Um, people are talking about moving into variable pricing as a new sort of revenue stream. What do you think about it? Is it good? Oh, it's not good. I'll pass on that. Yeah. Hard pass on that, right? Oh, big pass. Yeah, no chance. First of all, how is it even going to work? Because the idea that uh, a 6 p.m. reservation is less valuable than a 7 p.m. Re uh, reservation or even a, a 5.30, it, that doesn't hold true anymore. A restaurant is booked, you know, let's say in Los Angeles. If it's a good restaurant, yeah. it's booked from 5 p.m. onwards. So, yeah. so what, what are you going to make cheaper? And what do you I don't know. I'm unsubscribe. I'm unsubscribing to this. Yeah. Okay, so what, what's your main issue with it? Just feels icky? variable pricing you're gonna oh, I want to eat at a certain time i'll have to pay more no chance i agree i agree <laughs> Air, airlines do it but guess what people hate airlines and when, and when, <laughs> and when ubers do it people hate it like cabs didn't cabs didn't do variable pricing 
I guess cabs don't exist anymore, but that's not the reason why <laughs> cabs don't exist anymore. Um, okay, tipping 20% for takeout, not delivery. So you're going to pick up the food at the restaurant. That's a tough one. That's, that's a high percentage for takeout. Um, a service charge is for service. There is no service in takeout. Okay, so then uh, a more middle uh, question here. What about a restaurant where you have to order at the counter? Do you tip 20% there? Uh, that's the thing, because you do have food runners and bus people. See, I didn't say bus boy, I said bus people. Nice. He's learning. He's, he's very evolved. I'm so woke, dude. Um, but uh, I, there is still a service element. So, I, yeah, I mean, I guess, sure. But it doesn't feel as justified. But the takeout 20%, I mean, there are a lot of restaurants that do takeout and delivery in LA where they just hit you with that service charge on your, on your delivery or takeout order. And then you have to pay a tip to the driver that's delivering it to you. It's a lot of tipping. Yeah. It's a lot of tipping. I mean, I think the driver is the one person that absolutely deserves the tip. But Well, they're providing a, the, that service, but yeah. Yeah, they're providing the service. So then yeah. what about JD? Oh, I'm just uh, – I. I would like some transparency to know where this the 20% is going. I'm fine with it if like the dishwasher in the back is included, is cut in on all of this. But yeah. it's just going to – sometimes there's a manager cut uh, of tips, which is ridiculous to me. Um, but, that yeah, I mean that's – it's hard. It, it, I, I do it uh, every time I'm presented. That's why I, I try to pay with cash whenever I'm picking up stuff because then I can just, you know – I don't have to do the, you know, the the twenty percent or not twenty percent button, and I just you know throw a couple of bucks in the jar or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah. What about an auto grat, Max? How do you feel about that when the bill comes and it's already on there? So I I do like that. I think that it protects a restaurant to a degree, and it and it helps servers kind of know exactly what they're going to take away based on average check prices. Um, where it gets a little weird is where they where it, like some places give you a 16% autograt. Right. Then you're like, okay, well, so I'm going to add X amount to this. Or if they give 18, you're like, all right, well, it's not quite 20. And then you end up really adding a little more. I do love a place that just adds the gratuity and they don't even have an additional tip line. You just sign and you leave. Yeah, I... I'm totally fine with it. I mean, I'm tipping that. I mean, probably actually tipping more than the autograph because the autograph's usually 18%. Right, exactly. So you add on to it. <sighs> well, I, I don't know. Somehow when it's the when it's the auto, I like leaving the extra 2%. I don't know. Somehow I, I do that less than tipping an auto 20% when it's not included. But that additional gratuity line doesn't stare you right in the eye and go, hey, hey. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> It it gestures over, but I look. Away. Yeah, it does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, there was no eye. There was no eye contact. I don't let it. Never make eye contact with the bill. Yeah. Um, all right, Max. Let you step on a soapbox for a second. The Michelin Guide is this yeah. good? And maybe overall maybe for our listeners, can you say briefly what the Michelin Guide is? The Michelin Guide was created eons ago by the tire company, and it was to signify places that were worth traveling to. So one star is worth 
going to two stars is worth a detour and three stars is worth a trip in its entirety. And over the years, it's become very political and there's a lot of uh, networking involved in it. So it's not as meaningful as it once was. It does get asses and seats for sure. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I guess, romanticize it as much as I once did because of the amount of Michelin star restaurants I've been to that have been absolutely awful. And so what, what's the disconnect here? You're saying, is it a pay for play thing? Is it just a friend of a friend thing? It's pay for play. It's lobbying. It's politicking. It's ass kissing. It's all those things. So, so the Michelin guide is like the world cup of the food world. <laughs> and speaking of world, there's also the world's 50 best restaurants, which is the same thing. And so, so you find there's not really a, a correlation between amount of Michelin stars a place will get and quality of the food. I mean, there are certain things you can expect. You can expect uh, atmosphere at a three Michelin star. You can expect a level of service and um, a price point. But food, oh boy. Most, a lot of three Michelin star restaurants, the food is just so boring. So you would, so you would suggest, because a lot of people do use the Michelin guide as like um, a blueprint for where they're going to travel to. I, I mean, it's yeah. exactly as it, as it was intended. Uh, yeah. I've heard, I've heard you talk on your podcast about Massimo Batura's famous restaurant um, in Italy and how mm. it is. <laughs> By your estimation awful is that fair to say yeah pound for pound it's it's probably the worst restaurant i've ever been to in my life wow yeah let I me mean, but pound for pound you're talking three michelin stars best restaurant in the world price point i had to travel to modena there's no direct <laughs> flight to modena so where do you go you go to rome you take a flight to bologna then you go to modena there's a lot involved in it and then you sit down and you the, you have led lights in your eyeball at 100 uh full blast it's 90 degrees in the restaurant because it's cold outside. What's up? What, what's going on, Europe? Why does it need to be 90 degrees inside? 70 is fine. It's, it's 40 degrees outside. Let's make it 70 inside. Why 90? Anyway, the food was just disgusting. It was, it was all a story. And the story didn't translate into deliciousness. Uh, but then you're in Modena, you walk outside, the Parmigiano Reggiano's falling from the sky. You have a little bit of that famous uh, balsamico. Exactly. So you go and visit those places, but, but you go to Osteria Francescana and you're like, this is a hoax. Wow. Right. So so it's the veil has been pulled off a bit on the Michelin Guide as you've gone to more of them and realized that they're not everything that the guide says they are. Right. And some places really are some places you go to and you're, it's the best meal of your life and you're emotional from it, or you're just, you'll remember it for the rest of your life. So sometimes they get it right. But, but a lot of the time it's just, it's smoke and mirrors. It's, it's ass kissing. It's, it's all that stuff. Okay. Well, I believe the Michelin guide is coming out soon. So do not make eye contact with it. <laughs> December 5th for California. Um, all right, Max, uh, let's get to the final segment of the show. It's called Subjective Trivia. (music) 
So subjective trivia is just like regular trivia, except only I know the answer. I'm going to ask yeah. you a question that has no real uh, right answer, but we're going to pretend that it does. So here's a scenario. You're ordering pizza. You can only have one meat and one veg on the pizza. Ooh. So what is the best two-topping pizza? Now, I have my I have my answer written on the back of this card. You could start off thinking about what would your preferred two-topping pizza be. You can confer with JD to see if he can get in my head. Yeah. One, one meat, one veg. Where are you going here? There's pizza. There's cheese on this pizza already. Yes. There's sauce. A red sauce and there's a red cheese. sauce and cheese. Am I going first? Uh, yeah. Go. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm a slut for mortadella. Okay. So mortadella is my meat, and the veg. While it might be controversial, it's probably pickled chilies. Wow. Okay, so you're not ordering from Domino's, suffice to say. You didn't say, you just said I'm ordering a pizza with one meat and one veg. Yeah, that's what you did. You, did that. you didn't say you're ordering from Domino's. What are you getting? I'd probably go sausage and onion. Yeah, you know, Max, for a second, I forgot who I was talking to. Why, <laughs> why would I assume that you would be ordering from Domino's? Yeah, uh, thank you. JD, what do you think the answer is? Uh, well, even before uh, we established that it's, it's a, Probably a Domino's. Pepperoni mushrooms. That's what I. That's that's my guess. Just classic pepperoni and mushrooms. Okay. Yes, I'm talking about just a classic, a working man's pizza. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Max, you're going to be very disappointed in me. But JD, you're right. I'm going with pepperoni. Oh well. Look at that. Yes. I just. I mean, a classic. You can't go wrong. The the earthiness of the mushrooms. Get a little soft I feel very there. silly. Don't feel <laughs> don't, silly. Don't, don't. Um, you know, you could always add a crushed chili at home, so I don't know. It's it's but I I, I take your point. Um, Max, before we let you go, for anyone that lives in LA that's listening or is coming to LA, do you have any restaurant recommendations for them? And maybe give us one overrated place that people tell tourists to come to that you would say, don't bother. Y- yes, I have many recommendations. You can DM me, and I have a Google Doc I can send you. Wow. Um, but I would say if, if you're coming to L.A. and you want to have that California lifestyle style meal, uh, go to Jelena in Venice. Um, and there's plenty more. An overrated restaurant? I mean, there are so many. Uh, don't go to Catch. Please don't go to Catch L.A. Don't go to, don't go to any of those. Okay. Never been. Good. Never go. <laughs> Never go. Never. No. <laughs> All right, Max, where can people find you uh, on the podcast and on Instagram to get that coveted Google Doc? Uh, well, so the podcast is Air Jordan, a food podcast, and the Instagram is at Max Shapiro. All right, Max, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, to everyone, thanks for coming. I'm Matt Austin, and this was good. We'll see you next week. Bye.